morning, everyone. Today, uh, we are going to continue in a, well, it's kind of an impromptu series on, like, basic stuff um, we've been talking about. Uh, several weeks ago, we talked about um, the devil and then the Holy Spirit. Last week, worship. And today, I'd like to talk about, uh, I'd like, like to talk about prayer. We are um, I'm going to start, I was going to start last week, but we decided to postpone it. Really excited. I'm very excited about this. We'll be starting in two weeks, a series. Uh, going through the book of John called Jesus is Reality. And um, I held off for several weeks because, um, well, I really wanted to get my head around this book in, in, in its entirety so when we taught it, we can truly teach it the way that, that John wrote it and teaching Jesus' actually ultimate reality. Um, so here's your homework. Uh, read the book of John um, in the next two weeks and watch... Uh, interstellar. Okay. So those are your two. So in a couple weeks, if that comes up in an illustration somehow and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you gave it away. You've been warned. It's on you. All right. So there you go. If you don't care, just sit back and enjoy it. Um, and I'll use, um, I might use an illustration. I don't know. And, uh, and there you go. So that's your homework. Read the book of John and, uh, watch a movie. Um, so today I want to teach on prayer and to be honest, uh, Prayer is, um, gosh, there's about a million definitions, and I'll share several today uh, during our, our teaching. But um, prayer is dependency on God. It's ultimate dependency. When we, when we don't pray, we're saying, I, I can rely on money to solve my problems or my schooling or my education or my smarts or whatever. Um, and so uh, I know that. So I, I, I'm, to be honest, I'm really feeling really anxious today, uh, very, very anxious, like... I don't know where it's coming from um, or what's going on. I know we've had a couple technical difficulties this morning. We started late, but all this stuff, just feeling anxious. But what I want to do together is just like, hey, we're, we're here. Um, let's spend this next, these next few minutes really asking God to speak to us about this subject of prayer. And let's listen. Let's not be anxious about leaving here. Let's not be anxious about getting home and getting situated for later on this afternoon. Let's just, we're here. Let's be in this moment and ask God to speak. Cool? So let me read to you. I'm not going to teach, necessarily teach through this passage. I'm going to be all over the place, all over uh, both Old and New Testament. But I wanted us to start here, soak in this for a second. Let, let this text set the tone um, and then pray. Uh, Luke 11, verse 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, uh, would you teach us to pray? Just as John taught his disciples, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Uh, Obviously a truncated version of Matthew's uh, Lord's Prayer. Verse 5, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, okay, he's telling a parable now, suppose you have a friend. And, 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 uh, and you go to him at midnight and knock on his door and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children, I tucked him in bed already. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, because you're being rude in the middle of the night. Because he wants you to leave you, leave him alone. He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. What a funny parable. And then he says this. So I ask you, 
So I say to you, Jesus saying, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. For anyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, I, um, this morning I submit my own mind to you and my anxious thoughts to you, um, my anxious heart to you. And together, Lord, as a uh, church community, as a family, we submit our hearts to you and our thoughts. If there's any anxiousness in us, God, we just we recognize it. We say, it's there, Lord. Would you remove it? Would you um, cause us to trust in you through it, God? I know that, that there's a, a myriad of, of different um, uh, things to be anxious over in this crowd. Things to be rejoicing over, things to come to you in prayer over. Or maybe, Lord, even in this room, there might be people who have not prayed to you in a while. They've been around prayer, um, but they haven't prayed to you directly. Or maybe even ever. So I pray today as we discuss this topic of communication with you, Father, that you would open up the, the door, the floodgates of communication with you, God, that you would be, that we can hear from you, God, and you would speak to us, Lord, that you would hear our prayers. Be among us. May this place this morning be a thin place where heaven and earth meet. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. If you were to make a uh, simple and basic purpose, if I was to say, here's a, here's a simple and basic purpose for which humanity was created based out of Genesis 1 and 2. The basic rhythm, the basic two things I'd say that humanity was created for these two things. It would be prayer and work. Prayer and work. The rhythm of prayer and work. Let me explain. Seeking God's faith in prayer and relationship seems to be the heartbeat of, of, of communion with God in Genesis 1 and 2. And then we were created to work in Genesis 1 and 2. We were created, we were given a cultural mandate, theologians call this, to work the ground and to keep the garden. Basically, God put us in the garden and goes, what's happening here? I want you to take this, keep this, and spread this all over the world. Be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. Bring my shalom, my peace all over the world. And then I want you to do this in constant communion with me communication with me. So you get this, uh, this picture of a God walking um, with Adam in the cool of the garden, this communion, this communication with God. So the rhythm of prayer and work is the rhythm that we were created to be into, to live into. And for the most part, I'd say us in San Francisco, we have the work part down. We work. We work hard. And the hard part is, deep down we know, it's hard to stop working and to start praying. Prayer protects us from turning work into an obsession and work keeps our prayers from becoming empty exercise that's why prayer and work are so good if someone went away and go i only pray i do not work anymore that's not even that's not even a thing even for monks that's not a thing like monks worked and they understood this rhythm like i just go away to go and pray no there has to be a rhythm of work and prayer work and prayer your prayers to keep them from being empty must go to work and work So it doesn't become idolatry or an obsession, we would say. We have to pray. But here's the deal. Prayer is difficult. Prayer is hard. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm a pastor. It's in my job description to pray. It's still very, very difficult. I mean, for the most part, prayer is hard. First first off, most of us 
uh, are wound up so tightly by the pace of life and work and relationships and muni schedules and our phone and trivia crack and emails and coffee and FOMO and all those things combined, when we finally sit down, finally sit down and get quiet long enough to actually pray, we find it uncomfortable. Have you ever been quiet, like the business of the world, and you get this quiet space and you go, this is so weird. Like, I don't, I don't feel right. I feel like I should be doing something. Or I feel like I'm missing out on something. Or I feel like I should look up something on my phone, like a Bible verse, but then that turns into, like, I should tweet that. Then you're on Twitter, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I should Instagram me tweeting this thing out because I'm seeing God's thing. And then you're like, I'm looking. This is what happens all the time. We're so distracted. And we're all overstimulated. Most of the time, when we really do slow down, if we finally slow down, has anyone ever felt this? You, you slow down because of the business of life, and you fall into a staring stupor. Where you just, and you're staring, you don't know what you're thinking about, you're just staring, and your body's like, oh, you're slowing down, it's time to go to bed now, right? They're like, no, 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 it's only 6 a.m., I'm trying to wake up early, but he's like, no, you're, you're slow, it's time to sleep. Because all of us are overstimulated, all of us, um, when we get around prayer, and we even language, like, how do I talk to God in prayer? Like, do I use casual language in prayer? Like, sup, like, sup God? Do I use religious language in prayer, like beseech? Like, I don't even know what that word means, but I've heard it before. Like, how do I, I, there's sometimes when I'm praying, I'm not joking, this is true. Sometimes when I'm praying, I imagine God recording my prayers and then archiving them, and then you guys have access to them in heaven one day. And then I start praying way better. And this happens like in a millisecond. I'm like praying, and I'm like, oh, they might hear this one day. Um, so God, and like, it just changes. And then I catch myself, I'm like, what am I doing? And, and then, I'll, like, this is why prayer is hard. A friend of mine this week uh, texts me, and he goes to church, he texts me, and he asked, if, he, if I ever got into a fight with Ashley, and he, all caps, during prayer. Have you ever gotten in a fight with your wife during prayer? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? He's like, my wife and I were praying, and apparently praying for your wife to not be selfish on something is not a good idea. <laughs> And so I start laughing. I like laugh. I'm on text. I'm like, and I'm like, um, well, I don't know. I, oh, I said a lot of ha-has. And then I said, well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a really good pastor. And so I'm like, I don't know. The only thing I, like when my wife and I will pray, I'll pray. We'll pray and Ash will agree. Like, yes, amen, yes. We're praying for the city or the church or whatever people. Mm-hmm, yes, amen, amen. And then I'll get to her and I'll pray for something sensitive and gets quiet. Like no more agreeing. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so... And I go, that's, that's, I, I kind of know that feeling. He goes, well, yeah, that's what happened. But then I like opened my eyes a little bit and she was staring right at me. <laughs> like full on staring. And then I said to her, you can't get mad at me in front of God. And then it was like an argument, kiss to death. And I'm just, and so I don't know, I didn't give him any counsel. I'm like, that's funny. And can I use that as an illustration? It's pretty much what I said to him. I mean, but all that aside, if you think about it, prayer is kind of difficult. Prayer is hard. I mean, how do you stay focused enough? How long do you pray? Um, and you, what words do you say? And, and sometimes because of overstimulation, am I praying the right things? Prayer is hard, but prayer is absolutely essential. We know this so, so deep. Prayer is essential. The urgent discipline of our culture is prayer. That's what we need to learn more than anything. And we all know, we all feel this. Every single one of us feels this. There are many other traditions 
There are many other philosophies where prayer is becoming commonplace as well. I mean, they don't use the word prayer, but they say meditation or contemplation or inner work or active imagination or soul work. Yesterday, I got a flyer for this place called Soul Cycle, like a fitness place. And I was like, what's this Soul Cycle? And they're like, yeah, it's a new thing. I'm like, my soul like prefers spas, but I'll do like maybe cycle. What does that mean? And they gave me this thing, and they're talking about soul cycle. And then even on their website, it says that it, soul cycle doesn't just change bodies. It changes your whole life through inspirational instructors, candlelight space. Candlelight space is a place where you can clear your head and be empowered with strength that lasts beyond the studio walls. And that's, I think that's, that's what, we, like, what people want. Like, I, I know that my work is this chaotic, and I need something for my soul. And they're tapping into that. And I, th- I think, I mean, same thing with yoga. It's just tapping into something we all know we need. What a, whether we call it meditation, whether we call it yoga or contemplation or inner work or soul cycle or whatever. Jesus would say this. You need all of us, religious or irreligious, believer or skeptic, all of us know that we need a connection. And Jesus would say you need a connection with God through prayer. You need that. We all need that. We all feel it. Robert Moore, a psychologist and philosopher of religion from the University of Chicago, has written about the subject of prayer and spirituality for both secular audiences and Christian audiences. And he says this, if you don't pray, you will inevitably become either depressed or inflated or bounce back between the two. He says, if you do not pray, you will either be habitually depressed or obsessed with your own ego. And he says, only prayer can ground a soul. In our text, the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, ask Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. They've seen Jesus do a lot of stuff. I mean, they've seen him walk on water. They've seen him raise the dead. And they ask them, they don't like, Jesus, can you teach us how to do that Lazarus, raise the dead thing? That was pretty cool. They didn't ask, how do you walk on water? It was, how do you pray? Would you teach us how to pray? They asked this because they saw his deep connection to the Father. And thus the source of all of the life of Jesus was in prayer. Jesus did have this beautiful rhythm of prayer and work. Jesus was very, very, very busy. But he gets away and he, and he, he finds his source. And that source is prayer and communion with the Father. And, and work flowed from prayer. And thus his disciples say, teach us how to pray. That's obviously where the source is. Jesus responded by giving what we call the model prayer, or, and then he gave a parable about prayer. Again, there's much to say about this, but I want to give you two things that Jesus teaches here about prayer. Basics, fundamental stuff. First is this. This is not revolutionary, but please listen. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship. As Jesus begins to teach on prayer, notice he doesn't start with what we pray necessarily. He starts with whom we pray to. He says, when you pray... Pray like this, Father. It's who you're talking to. Father, this denotes relationship. Christian prayer is deeply relational. It's deeply relational to the God who created everything and who, and who holds all things together. Here's where praying, prayer can tend to go sideways. As, as I explained at the beginning of the sermon, we can get wrapped up in prayer. We can get wrapped up in the words or on the words and forget about the relationship. When we focus on the words, we lose the relationship. Like, I had to say these right words, and I had to say them rightly, and we lose the relationship. Words are just a medium with which we can connect with, God's, with God, and words can even get in the way. We can't let our words 
get in the way of a relationship. All prayer is is you relating with God. Words are that medium, but words can even get in the way. When we try to make up words, we try to sound a certain way. Jesus even says this in the parallel passage in Luke is Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus says this right before he launches into the model prayer. He says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. See, when it, when it becomes all about the words you say, it becomes all about you drumming up, drumming up something, the relationship gets lost. You cannot lose the point of prayer through the words. You must focus on the relationship. I mean, have you ever asked God how he was doing? I mean, I know some of you have. It might sound silly, but I started doing this last year. Like, it was the weirdest thing. I just really felt connected with God, to be honest. And I was like, God, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I never asked that before. That was weird. That's relationship. Like, God, how are you doing? How are you? You must be grieved over what's going on in this part of our nation. You must be just so grieved. God, I, I join you. I'm grieved too. And I ask that you would bring your peace there. God, you must be hopeful right now. Or you might be hopeful right now for what's going on at this person at work who it looks like they're softening towards you. Thank you for that, God. This is relationship. Not special, eloquent words, not babbling on, relating with God. There's, this, this, is, this is the simplicity of prayer. It's conversation with God. We struggle to learn how to pray because we focus on praying and not on God. We have to focus on God in prayer. Father in prayer. That's the point of prayer, is communion and connection with God. So when we pray, we focus on God, not on the words we're saying, not on the right words we're saying, just on God. Two of my favorite definitions of prayer are on the screen. These are my two probably favorite definitions over the years of prayer. Prayer is a preoccupation with God. Prayer is just being completely preoccupied with God. Where your mind and you're relating to him, and, and some days are better than others. Some days you have these great prayer times. Other days it feels like routine. But it's like trying to be, it's, it's attempting to enter into a time where you're preoccupied with God. But the second one is equally important. For those times where it doesn't feel amazing. Prayer is time exposure to God. This is what I wish that you would write down somewhere and that you would meditate on this week. Prayer. If, I could, if there's anything that you learn, please learn this. This is like as fundamental as it gets. Prayer is time exposure to God. I know that we live in the land where things can get quicker and better. There is no substitute for time exposure to God. There is no intense time. There is no like super anointed worship song. You're like, that three-minute song is worth like 30 minutes in the throne room of God. Song on, in there, out, done. Look at that, Devo's done. Three minutes, that song was super anointed. That is not a thing at all. There is no substitute for time. You can't create intimacy, intimacy with God. You can't create it. Like with any other relationship, you can't create intimacy. You can't create it. You can only make room for it. You make room for another person in your life. You don't create intimacy like, hey, we're going to create intimacy, you and I. That does not work. You make room for it. That might be actually good advice for people in this room. Maybe you needed to hear that about humanity, not just God. You make room for intimacy. You make time for intimacy. You want to grow in your prayer life and connection with God in your relationship? You must make room for it. Time, exposure to God. Any relationship grows through private space and time together without an agenda. That's what's needed. 
One of my favorite stories of Jesus that I go back to often when I think about Jesus praying is in Mark chapter 1. It's on the screen, but let me read. Um, I love the way that Mark tells this story. Everything is all of a sudden and immediately, and it's it's really action-packed. It's an action movie gospel. And in chapter 1, in verse 29, it says, As soon as they, and it's not on the screen, it'll get there, but let me just read this to you. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went to, with James and John, the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon's Peter, mother-in-law, was bed with a fever, and immediately they told Jesus about her. So they went with her, took her by the hand, helped her up. Fever left her. She began to wait on her. That evening after sunset, people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed, and the whole town was gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He, was, he drove out many demons, uh, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. That's kind of the pace of Mark's gospel. Immediately, all of them, everyone was there. Demons were flying everywhere. That's, that's the pace. But then verse 35. This is where like, you hear like chirping and everything got quiet. You hear like the Sea of Galilee lapping. Very early in the morning. Very next verse. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place. Where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. This is why I absolutely love this section. When we wake up and get time exposure to God, not only do we that do we know who God is? Do we learn about God? But we learn about who we are. And we find our identity in God. And if we don't wake up in the morning and hear the words of God and in relationship with God, the first thing that we will hear in the morning is this. We will wake up to everyone is looking for you. Have you ever woke up that way? You wake up and you grab your phone and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's looking for me. Like emails, oh my gosh, you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and, and all, all these things. That's how, I guarantee you, that's how most of you wake up. Everyone is looking for you. Or you wake up depressed because no one is looking for you. You wake up like, no emails. What are you talking about? No mentions. What is going on? What is wrong with the world? This is, this is our neurotic life. And Jesus lives right in the midst of it, and he knows that I cannot wake up. I cannot wake up and with the voice, everyone is looking for you because the Father is looking for me. And I need to hear from the Father this morning. And I need to know who I am. I need to know my purpose. I don't know if Jesus hadn't done this, if he would have just turned around and went right back into that town and stayed there and didn't go anywhere else. But Jesus had a purpose. We get stuck. Most of the time we get stuck because we're not hearing the voice of God. Like who's telling you what to do in the morning? Is it your email and your boss and your company and all this stuff? Who's telling you what to do in the morning? You have a God who's intimately acquainted with all of your ways and knows every, how this whole thing is going to turn out. And he's the one who's looking for you. This is actually a really decent segue into the next and final point. Prayer is about relationship, but prayer is also about partnership. Prayer is about partnership. Now, I want to go back to Luke 11, so turn there. Luke 11. In Luke 11, look how Jesus taught us to pray. In Luke 11, he says this. Your kingdom come. Look at verse 2. It's not on the screen. Your kingdom come. Matthew 6 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
I need you in prayer to ask, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done. God, on this earth, in this city, as it is in heaven, God, please work in this city. Then look at the parable Jesus teaches in Luke 11, verse 5 and 8. He says to them, suppose you had a friend, and you go to him at midnight, and you bang on the door, bang, 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 bang. And you're like, hey, man, a friend just came over, and we ran out of food. Could I borrow some food? It's 2 in the morning. You're like, it's 2 in the morning? And I just put my kids to bed, and they've been in bed, and they're quiet. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to answer the door. There's no way. Jesus says this. Be, not because he's your friend. Not because, oh, man, you're my friend. I'll give you some food. Because this person won't leave you alone. Because of his audacity. The audacity for him to ask you. Because of his, it says, their shameless audacity. His rudeness, you will get up and give you, get, get some food for him. And then he says this. He says, I say to you, ask. Meaning, ask. Like the guy did who knocked on the door who was rude. Ask. Seek. Like the guy did when he's like, probably shaking the window. I need him. Knock. What was the guy doing? Knocking. Now, here's the funny part of the story. He says, and then Jesus says in verse 11, which of you fathers? So he connects it back to father. Now, here's the father line that runs through. Pray like this. Father who's in heaven. What? Then he goes right into, imagine there's a, a man and he's asleep and he has his kids all tucked in and someone, some friend or neighbor comes knocking on his door. Then he said, what father? There's a father line connected. And the whole point of the story is this. If, if the parable, I mean, you can extend the parable, but the parable of, the, of, this, of this father is like, we're his kids. We're, we wouldn't be strangers knocking on the door. We wouldn't even be neighbors knocking on the door. We're his kids. Where are we? In the house. Okay, so if this father would give bread to a neighbor for his, his shameless audacity, what do you think would happen if, that, if a, a kid rolled over and said, Dad, can I have a glass of water? Jesus is like, you guys, are, you guys are evil and you know how this works. He's your father. Ask him and keep asking him and ask him over and over and over again. Ask and you will receive. See, this is a parable of contrast. If that father would do it for a neighbor, how much more would he give you if you just ask? So Jesus is saying, would you ask? See, if we turn our prayer time into asking nothing from God, if we're like, no, I just want to know you, God, and I don't want anything from you. That sounds so spiritual and so unselfish, but it's so unbiblical. It's not the Bible. It, to Jesus, it's clear that asking leads to receiving. James is explicit on this point when he says, you do not have because you do not ask of God. But God already knows what we're going to ask, right? You're like, well, he already knows what he's going, what we need. Why, why do we have to ask God for anything if God already knows? God apparently knows what we need. He knows what's good in our lives. But just knowing that doesn't mean he will automatically provide it all. There are some things that if you don't ask, you won't receive. There are some things that if you don't ask, you won't receive. Jesus seems to think that all kinds of good things that God may even want to do won't take place unless we ask. When Jesus teaches on prayers, like God wants to do all these wonderful things, but they won't happen unless we ask God. So here's the deal. Most of us in this room don't have room in our God paradigm to have a real relationship with God where he is actually responsive and interactive with our hearts and our requests. We don't have room for a guy like that. We're like, oh, we have a God, and he just does his thing, and we do our thing. 
We ask him for things, but then we say it's, it's his will and he's going to do what he's going to do anyway. So why even? So my, my prayers of asking are, are weak. We think God is going to do what he's going to do. And I just need to get on board with that. My, my friend Tim Mackey in Portland, who does the Bible Project, videos that we've shown here before, um, says that we have a tendency to see God as either Shakespeare writing Hamlet or a master chess player. He says, with Shakespeare writing Hamlet, meaning we are the character within the story who think we're free, but we're actually puppets in our own lives. We're just puppets, and God's just writing this thing. And there's a very common view of God, of God like that in Western Christianity. God has sovereignty predetermined every single molecule and moment in the universe. And you and I, although we feel free we, we, and we feel like we possess, possess free will, we are actually just playing out our roles and, and saying our lines in a story that has already been written. The opposite extreme is that God is like a master chess player. He's smarter and can outmaneuver anyone. But he hasn't determined the outcome, and he doesn't even know it. Therefore, there's real risk involved on his part because he's the subject. He's subject to all the normal processes of cause and effect, including human freedom. And under this view, the universe is emerging, and God is emerging too. But he's really good. He know he can, he can beat anyone, but if someone takes a pawn, he's like, oh, man, darn it. I don't want you to take that pawn, but you did. Oh, well, I can get you at the end. But I don't know how this thing's going to turn out. And this, these are two extremes. But then there's the Bible. And from the beginning to end, if you don't just isolate texts, it doesn't seem to hold either of these views in their extreme. This is an incredibly complex conversation, I understand this, but it doesn't have to be so abstract. It's actually very practical. Because the way you view God will affect how you pray. Let me show you another Bible Project video that will frame up. Are we able to do this? Okay, good. Um, that we're able to frame up this real partnership that we have with God, that God desires to have with us, and why God wants us to engage in prayer and ask him for things and engage in the real work in the real world. This is not arbitrary or about your inner quiet time. It's about how the world works. It's about what God is doing in the world and how you and I join in with that. So watch this quick video. See, the storyline of the Bible is about God's desire to partner together with humanity in genuine relationship. Real relationships involve real freedom and trust. And the Bible places us in tension that doesn't logically resolve for us. So you will wrestle, like you guys can talk about this in your community groups, and you won't resolve it, so don't even try. And if you have the best argument, you won't, it won't happen. You can argue about, is he a chess player or is he, is he Shakespeare? Argue about it all you want. You'll never resolve it. The Bible never resolves it. What we know is this, is that God is directing history towards its purpose. But in the Bible, God has sovereignly chosen to include humans and how that purpose comes into being. The Bible doesn't go to either extreme. God is not sitting back like really, really anxious and nervous about how this whole thing is going to turn out. He's going to redeem the world, period. But he has created a world where we have real freedom to partner and participate. Which, is, which brings us all back to the image of God as Father. I have this conversation with Dave Daly a lot with, about his, his kids, his awesome, lovely kids. And as parents, you know what, what's best for your kids. You love them, and you want to mature and grow them. But imagine if Dave Daly said to Grace, his oldest daughter, I really love you, 
and I really do want you to mature, and I want you to grow, and I know what's best for you. But for you to mature and grow is going to be pretty messy, and it's going to involve mistakes. So let me save you from all that. There's this, like, new startup created by Concerned Parents for a Better Future where you can, like, get implanted this surgery where you'll go, go through the surgery and it'll let me program your whole life and make all your decisions for you so you avoid every mistake. Imagine, that's, that's probably, no, we're not probably far, far off from that company, by the way. Don't start it if you're in this building. <laughs> that, we all would agree, is not a relationship. That is not a partnership. That's a dictatorship. Jesus' model prayer is, to God is not God as dictator, it's God as Father, who has given his children real freedom, which means that our choices matter, our, fa- our failures matter, our prayers matter. See, prayer is a way that we partner with God in the purposes for his world, where we become new covenant partners and participants in praying, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done in San Francisco. And when we pray that, we are partnering with God. And when we pray that, God sends us out into the world to bring about his good shalom. I had this thought going over and over in my mind this week as I prayed for our city and our church and during annual vision and prayer and all of that. That there are certain things that God is wanting to do in our city. There's certain things that God is wanting to do in our jobs and our relationships. But he's waiting to do those things until someone asks him. He wants to do them. Like, I want to do those things. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. This is real partnership that we have with God. Prayer is the way that we tap into this partnership. Prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about partnership. So when we pray, we are not only relating to God, we are fulfilling the new covenant promise of partnering with God. God, I want to partner with you to bring about your peace and your shalom into this city. So as I pray, would this happen, God? And would you do this? I I was even struck with everything that went on in the news this week. I mean, this news was crazy this week in our city. Just insane. Like, God wants his church to pray. Like, pray, God. Maybe no one's asked this. Pray for the violence in our city and the corruption in our city. Pray. We can know God and hear from God because Jesus has made God known. Jesus has granted us life with God through his sacrificial life, death, and resurrection. Jesus has made it so that we can receive the spirit of God in us, so that we can know the love of God hear from God, be in relationship and partnership with God. This is what I would like to do now. This is a little bit different than we typically do. But I'd like to spend a couple minutes, a couple moments, just moments really, not minutes, moments, where we quiet our minds and our hearts to talk with God. Maybe if you've never talked to God or haven't in a long time, to give you space to, but also space to listen to God. Because I believe that God wants to speak. God is a God whose voice we can hear. So let's do this real quick. Let's settle in. If you can sit back. I invite the worship team out here real quick. We'll get the lights. God is a loving father. God is a loving father. 
So when we're quiet for a second, and the first thing that you hear in prayer is condemnation, that might be the voice of the devil. The love of God is what draws someone to repentance, the book of Romans says. Jesus tells a parable of a lost son, and when he comes back, there's this, there's nothing but tears and joy and hugs and a great big party. There's love. God's heart is a heart of love and relationship, partnership. So would you sit back and would you close your eyes for a second? Let's start with uh, a simple statement to God. Just quiet in your own mind, in your own soul, heart. Maybe for the first time, say hello to God. Maybe you've been away for a while. You can say something like, I missed you. If you feel really close to God, maybe you can tell him what he means to you in one sentence. Now, let's ask a question. Ask this question. God, what do you think of me? Ask this question. God, how do you want me to respond to you? Whatever you heard, don't judge it or question it necessarily. If it's loving, trust it's from God. God, we thank you that we can have access to your throne, to your person, to yourself. We have access to you, God. And that you can speak to us. And so I pray right now as we respond to you that maybe we need to it's so hard to pray to you. We need someone to pray for us. And that's so good. Maybe our, our lips or our mind can't get there, but our body needs to get there first and we need to kneel before you. Or stand and lift our hands to you. Or maybe we need to sit and sing these songs and let uh, someone put words to how we feel because we don't know how to give them words and we sing these songs. Whatever it is, Lord, may we respond to you, God. God.